Hey, welcome to Off Script with Liam Gibbler. That's me. I'm a first year college student, and today I accidentally used my dog's shampoo. It was a humiliating discovery that undercut the previous success of remembering to wash my hair. I don't know how I'm going to recover from this, so just keep in mind my fragile emotional state when making decisions related to me, like grading my term papers or deciding whether or not to give me half your sandwich. Just think about how you would feel in my situation, and let your heart guide you. I swear to God it wasn't my fault. Uh, or maybe God is the wrong thing to swear to, because this was a literal cosmic joke. The amount of pieces that had to come together for something like this to happen is movie level. Like in those heist movies, where the plan looks like it's failing, but then at the end it's revealed that everything went right by the mastermind. So we're going to do a cut-by-cut cut of the three groups responsible for this, me, my parents, and the distrib distribution company uh, in that movie style. I don't blame the dog because he doesn't know anything about personal hygiene. So it's like, he's not going to be able to warn me, all right? So about six days ago, I started taking a new medication. And one of the possible side effects is itchiness. So two days later, when suddenly I'm itching a lot, I'm pretty suspicious of it. I don't see dandruff. I don't have lice, but my scalp is bothering me. So I asked my mom about it, and she says it's easy for a hair to dry out in the winter, and you have to wash your hair more in this particular season. I was like, okay. I figure it's a good idea to try washing my hair more before deciding it's my med's fault. Now, around the same time as that conversation, she and my dad noticed that the puppy is getting pretty dirty, and they decide it's time for him to have his first bath. Big deal. Not just to see how he handles it, but also because this breed can't really handle being washed all that often. So you've got to make sure you do it right when you do. My family really cares about the quality products, none of that, you know, junk putting in it. So you know whatever they get is going to have good things for dogs. And there's a certain degree of overlap between the good things for dogs and uh, the good things for people and the common things that are found in people products. So to reiterate, I have an itchy scalp. My family is looking for stuff for the dog's bath. And there's some overlap in what they look like. Then comes in the, the brand. In, in 1995, you know, they start this business. And they come along with their dream. And uh, it's something that I can only imagine was to create a dog shampoo that looks so much like a human one from the front that by the time you look at the back, it's too late. You know, I hear dog shampoo, I picture something like uh, Barky's Best, you know, a picture of a Labradoodle with its tongue sticking out. What I don't picture is earth baths, oatmeal, and aloe shampoo relieve dry and itchy skin. Something like that was surely bought by my sweet mother remembering our conversation and placed intentionally on top of my things. Why would I need to check the label when something is so obviously intended for me? So I hop in the shower, I put it in my hair, it smells a little funny, but I don't let that deter me, until I remember there's different instructions for different shampoos. Some are leave it in, others are 90 seconds or 30 seconds, so I flip it over and I start skimming. Leaves, skin, and coat brilliantly clean will not wash off 
topical flea applications. And I got it pretty standard. Until I see, remember to eliminate all escape routes well in advance. Excuse me? I haven't seen that on a wash before. Groomers and veterinary hospitals recommend. Holy shit, I was supposed to shake this dog shampoo before use. My parse water the cleanser are gonna be fucked, and I should also rinse this out immediately. It's clearly not meant for human skin. It's a cosmic joke. <laughs> What's funny, the funny thing is I think he's really gonna love it. Because it was a relaxing rub, and I hate to admit this, much less on something recorded forever, but I haven't itched at all today. Today's episode is with Shay Yordana. He's a brilliant cellist. He's so fun to talk to. Um, I forgot to bring it up when we uh, recorded the talk, but he's also the only person to have ever accompanied me while doing stand-up. We did an audition together for a high school's talent show where he played cello for some physical comedy I was trying. And while the show ended up being canceled because of COVID, I had a ton of fun practicing with him. He's honestly one of my favorite people. Shay Yordana. Hey, Hey, Shay, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it's good to see you, bud. Oh, it's fantastic to be here, Liam. It's fantastic to be here. Thank oh, you man. so much for having me on. You know, um, there's a page for me on the internet now, like a random source. It says, Liam Gibbler, journalist, Bend, Oregon. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's nice. He's a fucking journalist in Bend, Oregon. That great random websites. It's called like Muck Row or something like that. So it's not like the Damn. best website to be promoting you, right? It's like, like. I don't have any websites about me, so shit. Yeah, yeah, but Muck Row literally that? means shit. It's like it's like the shit lineup, right? The Muck Row. Like, is it an insult? <laughs> Are they dragging me for yeah, being? This guy's a fucking journalist. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Can we call me a journalist? You know, and that's a funny thing. I don't know what the qualifications for a journalist are, but 
um, I interview made up people from my head, <laughs> right? You know, I, I write and then I write what they're saying. It's like, even if they existed, these made up people, I don't care what they actually said. I'm writing what I think people will laugh at, right? I mean, you're, you're journaling. Yeah, no. No, no, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> starting a little too off script. Yeah, we, I think <laughs> I swear to God, I have questions prepared. I'm a professional. I'm a professional. Um, no, it's super exciting, man. Uh, thank you so much for being here, genuinely. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I really appreciate you. You know, I thought about you. I was like, when I was starting the show, I was like, there's anybody that I think could stand up to the pressure, you know, like you can, you'll have a good time with it. I think that it's not like we're one of problems, but you'll have a, a fun time with it and we'll be all right. Oh yeah. I've, I've been looking forward to this for a while and I've been like, damn, you know what? At the end of this, like last week I was like, you know, I just got to stick it out until, until the day that I get to be on William Gibbler's podcast and look at his cute face. Oh, I appreciate you, Doc. <laughs> it's one of those things, man. Like, the, you know, the speech they gave me before we started to try and instill, instill confidence. You, you met Tristan, right? Yeah. yeah. He's telling me he's like, "Hey, man, I'm not trying to drag the equipment here, but honestly, I think we could get some better stuff over at, uh, you know, at my house or on the thing." He's like. Not what I want to hear five minutes before I start to hear it. <laughs> He's like, I don't know about these mics. <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about the placement here. Um, That's like getting on a flight and having your pilot be like, yeah, just so you guys know, like I'm, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in like these engines, man. Like, <laughs> like it'll work. It'll get us from point A to point B, but shit, man. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've definitely heard bits on it so much, but. That idea that like you can't have a pilot that's anything other than calm or happy, right? Like yeah. anything <laughs> other than that is the worst. Like you don't want an angry pilot. You don't want someone like like man, you'll never forget what my bitch wife did to me today. You don't want you don't want that guy. You don't want the sad pilot. You know they're like why 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 shouldn't I crash into a mountain? You don't want that guy, <laughs> right? There's nothing you want. Yeah, they have to be having a good day too. <laughs> like that's why they're always like this is your captain speaking. Welcome to the fucking you know, they well they don't say it like that, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would that would bring a little red flag. Your <laughs> fucking captain speaking. Well welcome aboard everyone. I'm I don't know. Just <laughs> shut the fuck down and <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the best, but I'm not a pilot, right? I, I don't Thank know. God you're not a pilot. Okay, you know, I don't need that kind of attitude from you. <laughs> not yet, so about to call this off the planet with Liam Gibbler. I'm going to punch him off. We <laughs> make it sense. Okay. We're just going to we're going to get moving here. Let's let's Yeah, cut the bullshit here. already, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, man. Um How are you doing? How has your day been so far? It's been pretty good. It's uh Yeah, honestly before coming on, I was I was a little bit stressed out because I wasn't sure where I was going to record this. And I went back into my room and I, I have three roommates and I was like, man, I'm about to record a podcast. Um, so you're going to have to like get the fuck out, um, in like 10 minutes. And 
they didn't. None of them did. So a little bit. I'm here now. It's been good. It's been a day where I've been I've been going to classes and thinking like, shit, I gotta find something funny to say later because. Really? <laughs> uh, swear to God, I've got a piece of paper off screen that just says quips. You know, just quips in case things get slow. <laughs> 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 Just pull them out, you know. Yeah, a lot of them are like attacking you, like in your image. <laughs> so, like, so they're not quips; they're just insults. They're well, okay, <laughs> you know, I tried to be polite, but, <laughs> you know, like a just things that make you look as bad as possible for this first recorded thing of your voice. <laughs> Talk about your fucking turtleneck. <laughs> So I knew you'd wear on here. I was like, you know what, this guy's gonna show up. <laughs> like, was like I, yeah, I'm, I'm on here. Like, I, I didn't think anyone was gonna know what I was wearing, so I dressed like a fucking nerd. But now you had to say it, say it well, now. You know, I was gonna make you. I was gonna like. I was gonna do a bit where I like bullied you into pretending you were wearing something you weren't. I was gonna, I was gonna like that's one of. Them. I was gonna be like, I was like for for all of you at home. I guess he's wearing what I'd call a peckless t-shirt, you know, everything's normal, right? The sleeves are normal, lining's normal, but both of his nipples are out. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if they're just chafing. It's so just... cold. <laughs> are you chafing? That's what I... <laughs> yeah, that, you know, honestly, if, if you do ever have me back, that is what I'm going to wear. <laughs> you're going to get a custom made or you're going to cut it out yourself? Honestly, I'd do some little DIY, just take a pair of scissors to a white t-shirt and I'm on my way, you know? Oh, man. You know, that's what I love. I love those homegrown, organic, <laughs> little <laughs> chapless t-shirts. <laughs> um, I mean, I think you can tell we've got a decent amount of history at this point, a couple years going. Um, we've yeah. known each other. Well, we've known each other a couple years. We've known about each other for even longer than that. Um, we were in pretty similar circles for yeah. a long while. You know, I had heard about you long before we had our first uh, fucking bullshit conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I remember being like, I think I remember seeing a, a, a show that you did or, or part of part of a routine that you, you performed before I actually knew you. And and I was like, you know, that that dude is, is a fucking idiot. And I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> near that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you do. <laughs> Here we are. Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what you would have saw. You probably saw, um, were you there for Liam Gibbler Appreciation Day? Did you see either of those? I only ever heard about it. I, I never the legend, got to right? it firsthand. <laughs> yeah, the legend. <laughs> um, I had a holiday where... <laughs> it was the craziest thing. I would just, um, someone just put my name on the board. It said Liam Gibbler Appreciation Day. And no, we never found out who did it, but nobody erased it either. And that just kind of showed up. And <laughs> literally minutes before I showed up on that day, I'm like, this is still up. Maybe I can like abuse this, use this as an opportunity to <laughs> practice stand up. So I, uh, I literally, Miss M, our, our choir teacher, you know, she was kind enough to let me take 15 minutes out of her class <laughs> and just uh, do the stupidest thing. And I couldn't even write back then. It was just, it was so bad, but it was, you know. Bless her heart. <laughs> that's written into my notes here. I've got bless her heart. <laughs> um, 
Well, it was interesting. You ended up um, joining choir late. I had been in choir for a couple of years, and I'm pretty sure I was part of that group that bullied you into coming on. Isn't that isn't yeah. that right? Does that sound right to you? Oh, it totally does. I, I just kind of remember, like, I remember first considering it, and and Miss M had come up to me and been like, you know, there's there's been you know some talk like. That's your Miss M voice. Join, uh... <laughs> Dude, she's like, it's your old lady. <laughs> Oh, oh. Yeah, wait here. I can I can do a better impression. I can. So um, so there there's been some talk. Uh, I don't know why she's she has an accent. This isn't how she talks at all. Uh, there's been some talk about uh, you joining choir. You 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 think about joining choir, and and initially I laughed because I thought she was joking, um, because I I didn't think I was. Well, I honestly thought that I wouldn't get in, um, but. Yeah, I do think that it was a group. I do kind of remember just being bullied into it. And then I found myself like singing for uh, Nico, who who was who was uh, testing my range. And I just remember being like, how did I get here? Like, I'm supposed to be on lunch. Like, what's going on? And, and then <laughs> honestly, it was such a good decision. I, I, I kind of like it made me want. To do more of that i wish that i had joined earlier in my in my high school career but it didn't it didn't end up that way yeah well, i mean you were so dedicated once you came in i yeah. mean i remember well in some ways more than others right because we were showing up 25 30 minutes late with coffee every class <laughs> which you know she never really forgave me for because um i was the section leader right so i was actually supposed yeah. to be in charge of <laughs> um, she actually pulled me aside probably fifth, sixth trip down, and she was like, um, you're not really setting a good example. <laughs> I'm going to need you to start coming to class earlier. Um, no, but you had – you no, so you weren't on time, like, but you had so much dedication. You, uh, I remember it was probably your second class in. Uh, you have asthma, right? And, and <laughs> you have an inhaler, but I guess you – were a little embarrassed about it, embarrassed about a medical condition that everyone agrees. Yeah, I don't even know why. <laughs> I'm so shy about it. We're singing, which is, a, a, you know, a, I don't want to say sport, but it's an exercise that requires um, the ability to breathe. You have to be able to take breaths to sing. Yeah. He's, just having, he's standing next to me, and Shay's just having a full-on asthma attack. He's just, I looked over, I'm like, hey, are you okay? He's like, oh, I can't. Okay. And I'm like, hey, dude, just take your inhaler. Go out in the hall. He's like, I, I, I don't want to make a seat. He's <laughs> just like, anything to not, <laughs> to not bring attention onto yourself in that first class. You're like literally almost passing out. And I had to, I'm like, dude, just go get out of the room. It's fine. Nobody cares. I remember like, like trying to still sing and being like, I, I knew it was happening because I could feel like it start to like, like oh yeah I'm I'm not able to breathe right now and and then I kept I don't remember what it was that we were singing but I kept like singing more and then I just sounded strained and then I would try to like inhale to like fill my lungs again and they would just go <laughs> and yeah I guess I ended up stepping out didn't I I mean yeah well after I like have. it took a lot of arguing with you 
<laughs> I took a lot of, I didn't want to disturb everyone. I had to say it at least three times. I remember that much. <laughs> it's so interesting that you wouldn't want the attention to yourself because you're so you're such a social guy, you know. And it's not like anybody there judged or didn't like you. Like you know, the people you knew there yeah. liked you. It's not like you were performing in front of critics or anything. Like there was no. It was a very relaxed practice. We had we were warming yeah. up. I remember that much. We were warming up, and you didn't want to step out. That's right. Yeah, and it's not even like I'm I'm adverse to attention. Like good God. Um, I have such an ego. I get maybe that's what it was. Maybe I didn't want everyone to know that my lungs were weak. <laughs> everyone already knows that though. It's like an identity of mine. Like, everyone's like, oh yeah, there goes Shay with his fucking inhaler. Weak ass lungs. <laughs> Walking around. What would you call? What would you even call somebody? Like I'd be like, <laughs> like little. There goes a little breathy. <laughs> there goes the the breathless boy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not a, like like I've got a little bit of asthma. I know I, that's pretty com- like everybody. I know a lot of people who've yeah. got a little bit of asthma. That's way more common. And then you've got it. You know, you've got it, but I've it's got not it, like got it. Well, you've got it. Yeah, it's nothing. I've got it. <laughs> but it really wasn't something that like it was just one of those moments. I've definitely had those too, where you're just like embarrassed for you know a reason that ne- yeah. doesn't necessarily make sense. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember. It's something about like sitting up there and, and like being in. I felt like you know it was music, and I I love making music. I mean that's what I do, and I love making music whether I'm singing or playing the cello or whatever. But I I definitely was out of my element to a certain extent where I I felt like you know definitely like I was the non-singer that was in choir, but like you know i have pretty good pitch so i was kind of winging it but it was funny sitting there being like i guess having an asthma attack i also remember the kid next to me i literally don't remember his name i remember one time that we he he was looking at like my kneecap or something and we said like one random line and just could not stop laughing like i was hunched over like we were doing warm-ups and i was like weeping into my hands and and he couldn't like we could not control and i had to step out of the room and like pretend to go to the bathroom because i was just like overwhelmed with how funny whatever it was but um and then i'd have to come back and like compose myself and like sing with this whole section god what an amazing time (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! I wonder. Just I love that you just put that detail in there, dog. You're like, he was just looking at my kneecaps. I don't know what <laughs> like, it was. Does that add to the story? Where <laughs> <laughs> was it? What was funny? You're just like, he's like, hey man, nice caps. <laughs> I remember just looking over at him, and he was like staring at my kneecap, and then I said something, and he said something that was like not funny, like. I remember looking back on it a couple of days later being like, I have no idea why we thought that was hilarious, but something about his delivery and it was some comment about my kneecap <laughs> and I, we, I don't know, just lost it. And Miss M, you know, would, would shoot us those disapproving looks from, from the front of the room and be like, you know, 
kind of low-key telling you to shut up and not wanting to stop rehearsal but i just couldn't do it i was like literally like tears were streaming from my face <laughs> Man. i mean she was so good at uh shutting down situations right like oh my god yeah bro it was me i don't know were you there in the slap era when like everybody was slapping the back of my head do you remember no. that? Yeah, that might have been the year before <laughs> I, I think that was before my time <laughs> Doug, <laughs> It was like the worst thing ever because what would happen is someone would, you know, like they weren't hitting me, but someone would like like racing or somebody would smack the back of my head, and I'd turn around to like punch him, right? And then she'd be like, "Mr. Gibbler," every single day, and so it was like, and they realized really early on that they would, uh, she would see me turn around, right? And she paid so much uh, attention to me because I was her favorite, so she was always calling yeah, me on that, you know. Oh, but they can't see the slap. It's incognito. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like I can be I can be the favorite on here, right? There's no one to. Oh yeah. There's no one to fight that. Listen, the the only other person is here is me, and I'm just gonna I'll vouch for it. Like, it's true. Like you walk in the room and she she lights up. Like oh, choir doesn't start until Liam Gibbler shows up, and who, who's gonna disprove it? Nobody. Nobody. That's just fact. That's just true. It's just, it's just fact. Well, she loved you too. She loved you quite a bit, man. We had. Yeah, we actually still keep in touch, um, like a lot. Like I, I went over over COVID um, a few times. We would go when I was in town, and I'd bring my cello, and we had little porch rehearsals where I would just bring up. She'd open up, prop open her door. She had her piano in her living room, and we'd just play. Um, it was so nice too. Like, I mean, honestly, she's other than you and like maybe two other people. Like, she's one of the few people that I actually kept in contact with. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the reason I joined choir too was uh, in large part because, like, we just hit it off so well when I was in orchestra. Just for for a little of context for the for the listeners, the the orchestra at our school was like abysmally small like we had like well the notable thing is that i was the only cellist so um and it was kind of just like a beginning orchestra so she when i shadowed the school she sort of begged me to come she was like please please transfer to the school like we need anyone who can play an instrument in this class they're going to shut down the program like please come um and then it just, I ended up in choir. I ended up sort of helping teach the, the orchestra class. And that was such a great part of my otherwise pretty unremarkable high school experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, I had, that's when I was exposed to you being a cellist. I didn't know you were an instrumentalist. Yeah. We had first started getting to know, know each other. We were in music <clears throat> theory, right? So I knew, I knew you knew something about music. And I knew you were in orchestra. I didn't know anything about what you played or whatever, but uh, I was in psych class when you would have orchestra, and I would routinely. Right, yeah. um, wait a minute, that makes me sound like I'm a bad student. I didn't have a class while Shay was in orchestra, so <laughs> I would <laughs> routinely show up to go take naps upstairs. So what happened is I'd walk in. 
you know, Miss M would give me whatever glare or, you know, she, <laughs> she, she was so good at the, the, she always had a witty remark about me coming in. Oh yeah. No, she was like, just on it, you know, the whole time. I come in and she'd be like, <laughs> which, okay, side note real quick. I came back to the school for an interview a few months ago. And when I came in, I saw her for like two minutes, right? And I was like, oh, hi, Miss M, how are you doing? And she literally, she looked down, I was wearing pajamas. And she's like, so I see, so I see your wardrobe hasn't changed much. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> I love her. <laughs> for our listeners, um, I'm also wearing pajamas for this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but but um, back to the point, I, I came in, I come in to take a nap, right? And in those two minutes where I'd see you guys and she'd make fun of me, because that was the price of taking a nap upstairs, I'd, oh, yeah. I'd hear you guys play. And sometimes she would, you, you know, she'd be like, all right, guys, let's all, let's all play something for, for Liam. And I got to hear you guys as a group. But then what would happen is um, the next period I had algebra, um, which makes me sound like a bad student. So we'll say I had no class. And, um, yeah, you had another free period after that crazy <laughs> schedule. I just didn't go home. You know, I had half days, but I just liked the school so much. <laughs> um, I, uh, I would come down from my nap, and you didn't have a fourth period, so you'd stay and you'd practice with her. And yeah. I didn't realize the level of a cellist you were because I'd hear you guys as a group, and as a group you were good. But I'd come down and you would be playing insane pieces. The first piece I yeah. ever heard you play was Hungarian Rhapsody. And that's ridiculous. Yes. Oh. For people who don't know, that's like, I mean, it's just an amazingly difficult piece for any instrument. Yeah, that was one of the, I mean, that was one of, I think it may have been the first major piece that we prepared together. Um, and that ended up being what I auditioned with um, for my postgrad year at Interlochen and that piece got me got me places and in large part because of this it was i would always look forward like that period was really fun because you know we're playing music but i would really i was looking forward to to jamming out with her in the end um and she's such a fantastic accompanist too like she knows exactly like we we came to learn each other's style very well and um yeah, I, I forgot that sometimes we'd have an audience. Like sometimes people would come in during that period, and and you would be sitting there, and like I, I don't know other other students who were I guess coming and going or, or like picking up stuff in the room. Um, and that was such good practice to just play in front of an audience, however unwilling they may have been, um, to just get like more performance exposure that way. Because, yeah, it was just like, I think that, honestly, at that point, we had we had been friends and we had kind of known each other. And I'd, I'd see you coming down and I'd, I'd motion for her to start and be like, you know what, I, I want to give him a show. You know, like, I want to, we got to start this. <laughs> yeah, man, that was, I mean, it was such a good exposure. I had never listened to very much classical music growing up and just, um it made me really grateful for the opportunity to, um, you know, I, I never played in an orchestra, I never played in a band, but just being around people who could play like that, getting to be exposed to so many different genres, so much, so many different styles, it was really a beautiful experience.
yeah yeah there's if i feel like a lot of people don't know the depth of of just it, how much there is for classical music you know like everyone is outside of the sphere i sometimes forget just being surrounded by classical musicians all the time i forget how most of the world sort of isn't exposed to it as much and and maybe doesn't appreciate it or doesn't it just doesn't know how much there is um and that was such a great opportunity at school i mean like to have these these other kids who were just kind of starting out on this journey um and, and joining the class kind of learning a new instrument and like to sort of help like i remember my last year there we actually did get another cellist um and he he had, was just starting out so i got the opportunity to, to start giving him like some unofficial lessons um and we'd sometimes break off during the uh during the orchestra period and, and i would sort of give him some pointers i'd teach him how to do what we were doing and that honestly ignited in me a passion for teaching that I, I don't feel like I truly tapped into really until like more recently where I've been I've been trading lessons here at school with with a, a bassoonist friend of mine I'm learning how to play the bassoon and, and I'm teaching her how to play the cello and I think the foundation of that just like seeing people in high school which every other class every other in thing about that environment was not was was so separate from my classical music sphere like i had my friends that i met through music and then i had my friends at high school and having those worlds kind of blend was really really awesome and like that's what i hope to keep doing is, is to keep making like making that world available to more people it's such a beautiful thing. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. I mean, it's so, it's always so amazing to hear someone talk about something they're passionate about and just to even see your progression over these last couple of years as you left. Um, yeah. You know, we stayed in touch enough that when you were at Interlock and I got to see how your mindset shifted and when now at the, San Francisco Conservatory, I could see how your mindset changes. And it's really, yeah. you know, it's inspired me as a musician. And um, I guess kind of leading into that, it's like, how, how did those changes really affect your perception? Because there's what I was taking from how you were behaving and how I was seeing, you know, this kind of change. But I, I really wonder how that internalized for you yeah i mean it definitely sort of the the world of music which, which sounds like such a cliche to say but it really is sort of its own world where it brought me out of i don't know i think a lot of people experience a lull in high school and in earlier years where it really nothing inspires them um, i definitely found that for my time in high school, especially in the early years, I found it struggle. I found it to be a struggle um, to sort of keep my head afloat and, and, and want to 
want to pursue something. And then I engage more with, with music and there's something about like, for me at least, like improving on yourself and, and taking your own skills to the next level. And that's one thing and that's amazing and, there, and there's so much drive there. And then I discovered more and more the community around that, which is so tight knit. And those were really the big changes. Like when I, you know, started with joining choir where I'm just like, you know, another, even just having another hour or so out of my day surrounded by music was just so fulfilling. And then, and then I just sort of ran with it more. Like you start playing more music. I start rehearsing, like practicing and just jamming after class. And then, at that point, I wasn't even really sure that I wanted to pursue professionally. I, I knew that I was always going to be a musician, but I was still sort of on the fence. Like, I don't know, like, you know, it's, it's a difficult career to pursue. And, but just as I got more and more involved with community and I met more people through just like chamber music camp, I did the chamber music camp of Portland, um, for many years and you know, it's, it's, it's those big changes. Like going to Interlochen was a big mindset shift for me, where now I was, I did a gap year program there after graduating. And um, again, I was just immersed in a new environment full of more people who were as passionate and dedicated about this thing and we could share it. Um, and that was inspiring despite it being a COVID year that ended up not so much how I was expecting, but um, if I if if I got one notable thing out of that experience, it was a taste of what this like immersive musical experience is like. Um, and that has been like, so transformative coming and and starting my first year here at the at the san francisco conservatory it's it's like it's that times 10 like the whole world of of all this new music that i haven't ever heard of before all this new contemporary stuff and and even just more of the classical repertoire that i just had never explored before it's like every single path has just branches and you can take all of them if you have the time and it's incredible um and it really even in the parts where it's an uphill battle to find motivation i always found that just the identity of i would have to remind myself i'd be like okay i'm a musician and i'm a musician because i love doing this and I'm a musician and I'm a good musician. And that, that means that like, yeah, I'm not great at math. I didn't excel in high school. I didn't get phenomenal grades. And it's so easy to have that affect your self-worth and sort of measure, measure how you how you see yourself and and kind of it affects how you carry yourself but then it made me realize like okay this isn't that's not just not the route 
I want to go. Like, this is where I need to go. I, and it was sort of like curtains being taken away from my eyes. Like, oh, there's this whole thing. And I am so happy to be able to, like, pursue that and, and actually, like, continue doing that. It's, it's an absolute dream. Being a cat owner is committing to a lifestyle of fun, companionship, and self-fulfillment. But sometimes you're tired after a full day of work, can't handle their hectic behavior brought on by literally no reason. So maybe you give your bud a little catnip, leading to a night of relaxation for the both of you. That sound like you? Fast forward as the weeks turn into months, as their appetite becomes increasingly insatiable. What was once a special treat becomes required for normal cat activities. Money's missing from your purse. You try to confront them, but they start licking their claws like, drop it, bitch. One morning you wake up. You wake up to a torn carpet and a trail of powder leading to the bathroom. Jesus Christ, is my cat doing blow in the bathroom? Not anymore, because you called off-script sponsor Catherine's Cat Rehab. Their 90-day program guarantees feline sobriety and will have you back to sweating the small stuff in no time. For the next three weeks, if you use the offer code GIBSHOW, that's G-I-B-S-H-O-W, you can save 15% on your cat's path to wellness. Catherine's, changing lives one cat at a time. I know when we were in high school, I'm not sure how it was for you in Interlochen and or at the conservatory where you are around primarily musicians, but I was labeled as like a choir kid and you were definitely labeled yeah. as this orchestra guy. And I wonder, yeah. I mean, how did that click kind of structure? How do you think that affected, you know, not just your thinking then, but maybe the route you've taken now? Yeah. I, that is just such a fantastic question. I, I love engaging with this idea because, you know, with these labels, it's funny because I, I felt like it always came from people looking in from the outside. You know, like, I've never been called a band kid. Funnily enough, I got called a band kid, even though I never did band. It was just sort of like the, oh, you play music in high school. You must be a band kid. Mm -hmm. That always kind of irked me. I was like, man, I'm not a band kid. I'm not even an orchestra kid. I'm just like a kid and like I play music. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, despite any like, any rejection I had to that, to that title, it definitely was something like people were identifying me this way. And I had to kind of take to heart what I wanted to from that. Be like, okay, this obviously isn't my entire identity, but there's a reason why these labels are here. And it is because, you know, however, like, sort of, you know, people say that to, to poke fun or to sort of laugh at, at uh, people who have these labels, but really what it means is just like you have something that you love enough so that enough so that it's part of how people look at you you know and 
And looking back on it, it really just kind of makes me kind of sad for for the people who who are putting those labels or you know people who sort of like put restrictions on you know it might not be band kids and, and choir kids but it could be like all the the social labels that you people put on in high school and then they seem so important and then you realize that none of that actually matters when you leave but it makes me kind of sad because I want everyone to be like a band kid or a choir kid. Like even if you don't play an instrument, even if you don't, even if you don't make, I, I want to say make music, but you, you don't really make music. You just kind of produce music. And even if you don't do that, like, like you should want to be a band kid it's amazing like engaging with music is one of the most fulfilling things and i it's like this universal so yeah i guess it did kind of galvanize my my interest you know like man, i'm not a i'm not a band kid i'll show you what i am and what i am is like a cellist and a musician and a like an artist and that's what you are too and it it, it is like it's almost like proving them, prove, proving to everyone who called us that, that there's more to that term than just some kid who goes to band class, you know? Right. Like we were, it's like you're calling that guy a theater kid, but you know, that's Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, like that, <laughs> that idea. Like, I mean, I think it's because they always have such a negative connotation, right? And we always want to put things into a box and not really look at things as being multifaceted. Like, yeah. We're both athletes, you know? That doesn't get talked yeah. about very much. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I came here for this interview straight from rock climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, just putting that out yeah. there. I, I get like, gains. Yeah, what you are you going to call me a rock climbing kid, man? Like... <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is it's like there are these areas of your life that um, – feels like people kind of prick they don't prick they pick a primary or a secondary thing to be who they are right I, i've met so many on the other thing end of it like we've both identified so much as artists but i've met people who've really identified as athletes who are like oh i could never draw i'm terrible at it it's like okay we're all terrible at it you know yeah every single <laughs> nobody's good at drawing right there are people who work yeah. hard to get good at drawing you know and it's not about that doesn't say anything about natural artistic ability or whatever. We're excluding that. We're right. just saying there is a process to everything. Yes, some people have it, you know, easier in this way or that way, but there is something also to, at least from a creative standpoint, you know, yeah. that process, that learning, right? Yeah, it, it is sort of, it becomes something that, you know, I never really had a, a problem with, being called a band kid or having these labels put on me but it is when i when i started to realize that i was putting a label on myself that's when it became really restrictive um or when you know this is the really toxic mindset if you know the classical music world can be very competitive and sort of unforgiving I, i'm lucky enough to have studied with people who, who did not foster that as much but it can be and a lot of times like 
I've, I've experienced people and peers and colleagues who, who've been like, man, I'm not even good enough. Like I don't even deserve that label. Like I'm not, I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist. Like I'm not good enough for that. And then it's this sort of like level that you're trying to attain by being called a cellist or whatever it is that you do. And I mean, I just so resent that sentiment. Like I could, I could call myself a painter. I could start painting tomorrow and be a painter if I paint every day and love doing it and have a desire to improve and and engage with it on a level that is more than just putting a paintbrush on a piece of paper that that would make me a painter and I, I think people are so scared to put those labels on themselves or others for fear of like oh I can't call myself a painter like I'm not masterful yet at it like there's there's always someone who's better than you at everything you do and you like being a musician has taught me so clearly that that doesn't matter in your own journey like uh, i'm i'm not when when yo-yo ma was my age he had already played for the president and was like famous like yeah i'm not i'm not yo-yo ma but i He's not even on my path. Like my journey as a musician doesn't include him. And that's so important to remember is with everything that you do. Just for, not just for me, but for everyone, can you name any other cellist for us? I'm not saying you don't know him. I'm just saying that we don't know him. And we would, that's the yes. one that I can pull up. In fact, everyone listening, please learn more cellists because there are so many good ones and I Yo-Yo Ma takes the spotlight from them all. Jacob Coriani for one fantastic cellist. Um God, I could just name a few that I that I even know. Um Jennifer Culp. This is who I study with. This is my teacher, so a little bit of a plug here. She's phenomenal. Um there's a French name that I'm not going to butcher right now because I'm self-conscious. Um, there, there are so many cellists. I think it's so funny that this is it's kind of a total tangent, but at my school, we had a, a master class with Yo-Yo Ma. And it was like a huge deal. It was really funny, though, because we've had master classes with like some of the best cello teachers in the country and in the world and they've come and it's filled up half of a recital hall with pretty much only people in my studio and the yo-yo mom master class of course there were more people in the building in my school building than i had ever seen at one point and it was just flooding in and like half of the people i was looking around like a lot of my friends are, are jazz they're in the jazz program they don't play classical they don't care at all about classical but everyone was so excited to see yo-yo ma he wasn't even playing he was a master class he was coaching uh, a, a piano trio in front of everyone he didn't even have his cello on stage but even just his presence there was like enough that everyone and their mother wanted to come to this and that just blew my mind like like to to 
transcend those boundaries of like like I'm a classical cellist but I'm not just a classical cellist like he does so much more and he captivates everyone beyond that sphere um but yeah it is funny that when people think of cello they think of yo-yo ma and that's it that's that's where it ends <laughs> It's just that that presence. I don't know how to explain it or how people get it, what kind of practice. It. Like you see it a lot in spiritual teachers too, right? Like that's what people describe. Yeah. Even with like cult leaders or whatever on the more negative side of things, right? Like that, um, almost like magical like charisma that just like draws folks. To, you know. Yeah. It, it's always. Yeah. It's it's weird to think that there are people. And they walk among us, <laughs> and they can yeah. that everybody just gravitates to. <laughs> yeah, and it even could be beyond what he does. Like, you know, it's funny. Just on the on the subject of other cellists, like some of the old masters, like Rostropovich and Starker, are to name like a couple of the. If you're a, not a cellist, you're probably like, what is he talking about? But if you are, you're like, yeah, of course I know these guys. And I've watched some recordings where they're just talking. And it's just, you can, it is that sort of charisma, but then it's also a, like, when someone has such a, a mastery of what they do, it, it almost is tangible even when they're not doing it. Like, when even when they're talking or the way they carry themselves, there's something about, maybe it's just the way that we perceive them, but there's an air about it like even through old recordings where i'll watch like these cellists that i have looked up to and and, and learned from since i was little like i don't know i feel like if i met i mean most of these guys that i'm talking about are dead already but if i met one of them in real life i probably would just like like my knees would buckle like it's i don't know it's just there is that charisma and it's funny that you mentioned cult leaders because it is kind of similar in in some ways to to different instrument groups where you have like a, a set of repertoire that everyone knows in like all the cellists know all this but no one else is really familiar with all this and then there's like you can have full conversations with other musicians and they will have no idea what you're talking about like, like our, our three-hour discussion on microtonalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I totally, um, you know, what comes to mind, I think about, um, well, jazz musicians, I don't know how often it's happening now, but at least they used to haze kind of new jazz musicians by saying, like, whatever, we're playing this piece, right? And then they'd say, in the usual key. Yeah. So that people who'd been learning from, like, fake books... So like, which, you know, are inaccurate versions yeah. of, uh, of a piece. Like, so say your book is in E, right? And the usual way they play is in B flat. So yeah. now you sound like shit on your first, uh, yeah. first performance of this group. So it's like, they're like, all right, if you don't learn from the recording. Right. And, uh, and I'm sure, you know, the jazz people, you know, I don't know if that's still common practice or not, but I know that was a big deal for a long time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, my, my roommate, one of my roommates is a is a jazz trumpet player and 
I'll listen to him. He'll be sitting there in, in our living room just he'll learn a new tune, and he'll just put it on the speaker. He'll bring out his horn. He'll bring out what he plays flugelhorn and and C trumpet and B flat, and he'll just bring out one of them and just play it. And I'll be like, when did you learn this? Like, oh, I'm just playing it, you know, like by ear. Like you, what? And he'll transcribe. We, he, he sits down, he's like, I'm going to transcribe this new solo. When I hear transcribe, I think like, you know, write down. That's not what he means at all. He means just sit down, listen to it a few times, and then spit it back out in his horn. Like, yeah. and it's perfect. I don't know how. It's like a completely different skill set. Like I've always, you know, sat down with a sheet of music in front of me and learned every note. But, I mean, it, it's funny. It is the same thing where, like, I was kind of asking him, like, if I wanted to start, like, if I wanted to get to the point where I could keep up with with a jam sesh, like playing the bass or even playing the cello, like, where would I even start? And he was just like, he was telling me, like, yeah, just sit down and and start trying. like you're not going to sound good when you solo at first and you're not going to know all of this at first, but it's all by ear. He said the same thing that you said, like books are discouraged, like even lead sheets. They don't, uh, the way that they teach it right now, they, they don't read anything. It's all completely auditory, which is just incredible to me. Cause yeah, you can, you can bring art into everything that you do. Like, you know, I can be my artist self while I'm like organizing cabinets. And then suddenly I'm turning it into an art piece or like, you know, anything that you're doing, there's a certain mindset where it's, it's really pure because, you know, never have I encountered an artist who does art with an ulterior motive. You know, to me, that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. It's a, it's a question that comes up a lot with meditation, right? Like, is there a way to be like an evil meditator, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, because it's like, how much does intention? Well, so we're talking about how important intention is to being an artist. And with something like that example, um, say I'm only meditating because I know of the benefits, right? And I'm going to. I'm like, it's going to give me clarity and then I can uh, destroy this company from the inside or I don't know, whatever, whatever <laughs> meditators would do. Um, that person's still reaping the benefits of meditating, right? They're still right, growing yeah. calmer <laughs> and more like uh, understanding of themselves. Yeah. So in the same way that it's really hard to be an artist with an ulterior motive because just the act of... I guess doing art because it doesn't, it's not always creating, but just, just being in that space, it, you know, it's, it's something it's not, Yeah. even if you're just in it for the profit, you're still getting something, whether you recognize it or not, just from the action. Yeah. 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 I don't even think that, I, I really do think that there's a purity about it that even if you, it's true, like even if you go into it with an ulterior motive, you know, like you're, you're meditating to, for some evil thing, or like if I started playing the cello because I was like, you know, I don't know, I wanted to destroy the world with my cello playing. 
or I, think I had. That, isn't that the, that's the plot of Umbrella Academy. I'm pretty sure. I'm like legitimately, <laughs> I think, isn't it like an evil instrument? I haven't actually seen it, which is. Well, terrible. I haven't either. I think I, I didn't, I read part of the, I'm sorry, to, I'll come back to you. I'm sorry. I read part of the, I just read part of the comic and I just remember like she turned, no, it's like a violin. She turns into like an evil violin. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So even if you you start playing the violin because you, because you're evil and you want to destroy the world, like you're still gonna. There's still something that you feel when you play music, but no matter what you felt going into it, you're now in this place, and you now feel this, and you're now creating and feeling and engaging with beauty, and that is what it is. And I don't think anyone can keep their ulterior motive if, if it's true like you know unless you, you like decide that you hate the violin and you hate the sound of notes and, and and you hate happiness and but i don't think that's even nobody who's like that is going to pick up an instrument and try to play something you know i think it takes a level of distance right like mm -hmm. i guess if you're playing, but you're not there, maybe if you're like, you know, you're practicing or you're performing or whatever, but you're not, you can't be fully engaged with it and feel anything other than like the ecstasy of that moment, right? There's nothing yeah. like, that's why, uh, you know, rock players are always like making that face, you know, yeah. when they're on stage <laughs> because they're just like in it, you know? Oh yeah. Dude, I was uh, uh, at a show where these two guys were playing, right? And they would take turns soloing this guitar player and the sax player. And they were both making the face, but they'd like walk around in circles around each other. And they'd like make eye contact, they'd like, you know, like unbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> it was really like, it was like some sort of courting ritual. <laughs> like, I don't know if they were trying to like, uh, try, if they were the mates, if they were the potential mates, or if they were trying to like ward off, you know, like, like they both picked yeah. the same person in the audience they were going for. <laughs> and they were just like battling it out. Yeah, it's so funny. It it totally does seem like that. It's like a total performative thing because like I make faces when I play. I've looked back at recordings of myself and been like, dude, it looks like I'm taking a shit or something. Like sometimes I'll look at it and it's gotten a little better, you know, as I've developed my stage presence. You perform more and more and you you get a little more aware of your muscles. But like it's like my best performances and my best recordings. I make the worst faces and it's hilarious. But now like whenever I watch like another cellist, Sheku Kenan Mason, you may have heard of him. He played at the Royal wedding and he's awesome. And he, I, I watched this recording of him playing and he's literally like looking up at the ceiling and his lip is sort of curling and his face is contorting. And that to me, when I look at that, I'm like, Oh, he's so into it. And you can hear it in what he's playing. Like when, when you see people do those weird faces or like, you know, make weird erratic motions, that's when I am like so captivated by the music. And it's like, look at how, look at how like into it they are so much so that they can look like that, you know, like you look yeah. at the recording of me playing Bach and I, I look like I'm like, look like I just got punched in the face, but but it, you can hear it like in the sound. It's like, oh, it's 
it's you're right there. I'm not paying attention to what to what my mouth and my eyes are doing, you know. Yeah, it's so funny because I'm picturing <laughs> your playing face right now. I, I'm, I have the rare privilege of having seen it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's not an image that leaves my mind. <laughs> no, it sticks there. Thank God for these masks, man. <laughs> oh man. No, it's just it's so cool just to see and hear you get so excited about something. I think you've got you've got so much passion for music and that's so clear. And yeah. I feel like well, I feel like you're just a passionate person in general because that passion kind of seeps into most of the conversations we've had. Like at some yeah. point or another I can like I can just see that level of excitement going up and I really feed off that. It really makes me go up too. Um Yeah. Oh my gosh, one of the favorite things one of my favorite things that you told me about a while back we were talking about that mushroom documentary. Yes. And uh, I said, if I'm going to have Shay on the show and he doesn't have anything to plug, unless did you finish like an album in the week it took? You know, uh, no. <laughs> You're not like sitting on an EP. You're not ready. Yeah, actually, yesterday I was like, man, I got this podcast tomorrow. I just, you know, recorded an entire EP and it, you know, it's out. No, I'm kidding. I, I got nothing. You got, you got. <laughs> <laughs> like nah, I'm kidding. Like it, like it wasn't clear enough from the, from the, the language we <laughs> used. Just in case you couldn't tell from the tone. So I figured, you know, you could plug that. Tell tell me about the the yeah. mushroom documentary. Like I don't know about it because yeah. maybe I maybe I forgot some of it. So I will absolutely tell you about this. This is so th I watched this movie. It's on Netflix called Fantastic Fungi, and it is such a good movie. Like, I tried to get my ex-girlfriend to watch this movie with me, and she didn't want to watch it. She was like, man, I don't want to watch, like, a mushroom movie. I'm just going to, like, walk around and say, like, oh, this is a mushroom. And I was like, no, it's so much more than that. And it was, like, pulling teeth to get her to watch it. She didn't want to do it. Eventually, I was just like, all right, you. Get up, come over here, sit down in front of the TV. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, shut up and just watch this. And I, I turn it on. And by the end of it, she's like going to the website, like figuring out all the stuff, taking pictures of mushrooms and sending them to me. Like, it, it's so good. Like, I don't even know where to begin. This movie, honestly, changed the way that I plan on, the way that I plan on living the rest of my life. Because it touches on, first of all, mushrooms are just awesome. They're just like, they're just awesome. And you'll learn that once you watch this movie. If you didn't already think mushrooms are awesome, you will. But also, like, it talks about ways that mycelium, the mushroom, the, like, organism of the mushroom, the mycelium can store and transfer carbon and do all this stuff. Like, they heat it up portobello mushrooms to like 2000 degrees and they can make batteries out of them like and it's insane and it, it gets even weirder than that and in the paul stamets my my new hero this guy is like it's a, in large part a documentary about him because he's such a large contributor to this field like when he says that like mushrooms can save the world like he means it like for climate change, just for everything. And they talk a lot about the use of psychedelic mushrooms 
which a lot of people are sort of adverse to or scared of, you know, wary of rightfully so. Um, definitely stuff like that is is something to be approached with a lot of caution. But um, that's a whole other section of the movie where it kind of opens your eyes to to the possibility of the human mind and, and how this can sort of facilitate that. And like, yeah, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface of what mushrooms are useful for. Like we're literally, it's, you know, you could go outside right now and there's a good chance that you, if, if you look hard enough, you'll find a species of mushroom that has never been discovered before. Like we know so little about this. And if, like, if I go outside right now, if I go outside right now, if you go, there's a if good you chance. Just, <laughs> you just turn chance. off the recording, just fuck right off and go into the woods in the dark. And I'll get a, I'll get a species named after me. I will, I will yeah. need the moon. Really. It'll be the, the Gibbler cap mushroom. <laughs> so much worse than <laughs> what I was going to say. That's so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not that. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> but it's insane and these fucking things are curing cancer they're they're making ptsd go away it's not just psychedelic mushrooms it's all these things for nutrition for like like ecosystems for everything they're amazing and i probably sound like a lunatic but i don't even care because once everyone that's listening to this goes and watches that movie they'll be like oh i know exactly what he's talking about now this is the best thing i've ever seen um so yeah that's my plug like it's a great it's a great movie and it's it's honestly like a field of study and a field of interest that i think is really underappreciated and this movie does a really good job of like highlighting the importance and the capabilities from this you know like we we know a lot about plants we know a lot you know western medicine we know a lot about that we know a lot about ecosystems we don't know a lot about mushrooms for whatever reason and there is so much to offer it's getting a little preachy but i mean it <laughs> i'm missing the powerpoint presentation you know the yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like uh you know at restaurants they have their um their specials every day you know, nobody oh, yeah. ever gets like have you ever had you know they always try to like justify it right they're always like uh, this is the <laughs> You know, I know it's out of season, but on the special day, we've got the lamb chops. These were, you know, grown really close by. <laughs> They're really not, like, you know, man, our chef. shut the fuck up and give me a menu. Like, <laughs> so, so I'm like, you're coming at us like that server. You're like, I know you guys know about plants. Plants, <laughs> the situation being the chicken tenders or whatever, you know, you usually get at the restaurant. He's like, I know you guys know about plants. I know you guys know about vegetables. I'm not here to talk about those things. Yeah, check this shit out. <laughs> I'm all with you. I'm Team Mushroom for the win. Oh, my God. Man, I really could talk to you all day, but Me too. it is about time for us to move on. It is about that time. You know, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you, especially as a first guest coming on like this.
Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly honored. It's, it's so great. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we're here. It's that's what's crazy yeah. to me is that, you know, <laughs> I'm saying we're here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually here. You're, you're yeah, there. you're here. You know, we're in separate <laughs> locations, but <laughs> this was a, a Zoom performance from. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's 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 super impactful. Um, it's always great talking to you. You know, I'm gonna catch up with you later. Um, yeah, always a pleasure. Yeah, do you wanna? I guess since you didn't plug yourself, you probably don't want to start giving people information about where to find you, or do you? Do you want to give them information for the magic mushroom? Not magic, that's wrong, wrong, wrong type of mushroom. <laughs> for the, what is it, ma magical fungi documentary where they can find that? I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll plug both. So, mag uh, not magic, you got me saying. Fantastic fungi. Uh, uh, find it on Netflix. I swear to God, I'm not sponsored. I just really like that movie. I'm not getting paid. Um, you can also follow me on, I guess I'll, I'll plug my Instagram. Um, it's Shay Joaquin. No one is going to know how to spell that. So good luck yep. to you all. Yeah, gonna, I guess not. <laughs> I'll put it, uh, I'll put it in the description for you. There we go. But yeah, that's, oh. that's, that's about all I'm going to plug. Right. I'm a man of simple plug. <laughs> simple plug. Yeah, yeah, we can cut that. <laughs> not, on, not on, like, other things. That... Yeah? Yeah. Do, yeah. do continue, Mr. Well, I don't know. I, don't exactly? know if I, I said I wouldn't do that for this. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. I might put it on. You know what? Uh, I hope you know that everything you've recorded well, I've recorded, uh, is no longer within your rights, and I can monetize. Sign that all away. There's some so, deleted scenes. Yeah. Out of context. Hey, we'll see. Um, so that story you told me about the, the, the beef stick. <laughs> you watch your back or it's going to be on my Patreon, all right? I'm gonna sell it as an NFT. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna edit it so it looks like you're doing what you said you were doing in the story, and I'm gonna sell it as an NFT. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> My career's over before it even started. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Oh, thanks again for having me, yeah. You know I love you, man. Appreciate you. Love you. Appreciate you so much. This has been phenomenal. That was Shay Yordana. You can find him on Instagram, at Shay underscore Joaquin. And you can find Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. Offscript with Liam Gibbler is a broadside podcast. For Central Oregon news, photography, and satire, visit thebroadsideonline.com. Special thanks to Lily Rath McCullough for funding, Tristan Hackbart on sound design, Mel Smith with cover art, and Mina McCown on social media. <laughs>